I'm flying over here on the plane, and so I'm watching a movie, and the movie is about these four guys who are looking for a kingdom. And if they find this secret hidden kingdom, they'll discover so much. They will discover gold, they will discover riches, they'll discover power, but they have to find this secret hidden kingdom. And the entire movie is about them trying to find this kingdom so they can access everything that they want that will make their life just perfect. And as I'm watching this movie, I thought, that's kind of a picture of us sometimes. We're looking for the kingdom of God. And it's out there somewhere. And if I could just find the kingdom of God, if somebody would just give me the keys and I could access it, I would find joy, I would find peace, I would prosper, there would be victory, but I just got to find the kingdom of God. And we have this question, where is it? How do I find it? How do I access it? And the disciples had the very same question. They came to Jesus and they said, when? When will you establish your kingdom and where will it be? How can we get a hold of it so that we'll find all the meaning we have in life? And here's how Jesus answered them in Luke 17, verse 20 and 21. Jesus said, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed in the natural. Nor will people say, here it is or there it is. Because the kingdom of God is within you. Did you know that the kingdom of God is in you? Should that change how you look at yourself when you look in a mirror? Should that change how you consider the opportunities that are before you? This is an incredibly life-changing biblical truth that sometimes we forget about. The kingdom of God is not out there. It's actually inside of you. Paul wrote this in Galatians 2.20. Here's what he said in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The very Son of God dwells in you. What does that say for who you are and your identity and how he wants to relate to you? He put it this way in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. God has given us great and precious promises that enable you to escape the corruption of the world and participate in his divine nature. Becoming a Christ follower is not just improving life. Becoming a Christ follower is not just learning how to live in the natural better that honors him. Becoming a Christ follower means you are actually now participating in the divine nature of God in you. He would write this way in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. The Spirit of God who raised Christ from the dead lives where? In you. How? How much power does it take to raise a dead person? That power, it's not out there somewhere. It's in you. And you may be here and go, I don't feel very powerful. You may not have learned how to access it, but make no mistake about it, when you make a declaration to follow Christ, that lives in you. He put it this way in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And oftentimes, we want this encounter with God to have something that's outside of us come to us so we can walk in a fullness. And he's saying, no, it's in you. It is there in you. What you got to know tonight, there is so much more in you than you think there is. 
And you may be here and you are feeling weak and exhausted. Maybe you're feeling empty. Maybe you look at these people who are being sent out and there's almost like a little envy because you feel like, I got nothing to give. I could never take that kind of risk. Maybe there's little joy in you and a lot of fear. And you see these verses and you go, wow, that's what the scripture says, but I don't think it's there. When Jesus was about to ascend, he gathered his disciples together and he gave them like one final teaching. We have it like in John, in the last chapters of John. And this is what he really wanted them to know because he wouldn't be with them anymore. I want you to open your Bibles to John chapter 15 because this is what he taught them and this is what he teaches us about realizing that you have to define your identity by Christ in you. And what does that mean for you? So here's how he taught this. John chapter 15, starting in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. He says there's one plant. Not numerous plants, just this one plant. I'm in you and you're in me. And we're going to abide together. And you will discover how much more is in you, but here's how you discover it, through this thing called pruning. God says, I want to take some things off of you so that you will discover what's actually inside of you. He's speaking to the disciples because he knows the challenges they will face. He knows how hard it is living this side of eternity. He goes, I want you to understand so that you can walk in a victory and an authority and a faith. This isn't something you have to get from the outside. This is something that's already in you. And he describes for them who they are in Christ. And he describes for us who we are in Christ. He begins this way. He's saying, listen, there is more fruit in you than you think there is. Look at verse 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. But if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you'll be my disciples. He's saying, you know, the kingdom of God is in you, and inside of you is all kinds of success. Inside of you is all kinds of tremendous victory that you would bear much fruit. He says, because I am in you, you have this great capacity for success, this great capacity for fruitfulness, and you go, but Joel, I feel mediocre. I know there are people like this, real heroes, real giants, But me, I kind of feel like one of those mediocre people. I'm not sure I could do that. And oftentimes, we don't know who we are. We know who he is. But we don't know who we are. There's a story that illustrates this in the New Testament. Jesus is trying to get this into the disciples. So he says, look, there's thousands and thousands of people. You feed them. And the story is not just of a miracle of fish and loaves. It's the you feed them. And he invites them into this partnership because he wants to discover what is actually inside of them. And here's what the disciples do. They do what we do. They go, we can't. 
We don't have the ability to do that. It would take eight months' wages, send them away where they can get help by themselves. And the disciples look at their capacity because they don't understand what Jesus is telling them to do. And they reject this opportunity. Send them away. And the story is there because it illustrates us sometimes. God says, I'm setting you up for something. You go, I can't do that. I don't have what it takes. We have this mindset of scarcity. I just don't have enough. But here's where the disciples are missing it. They think Jesus is delegating an assignment to them. Go and feed them. Jesus never delegates. To abide means he partners. He's not saying, go feed them, you're on your own. He's saying, let's do this together. Let's partner together. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. And he comes to you and he sets you up. And if you see just as this delegation, he's telling me to do something, but I got to do it out of my own natural ability, you'll be like the disciples. Can't do it. Because you will measure yourself and you will find yourself wanting because you've forgotten this truth. No, the kingdom of God is actually in you. And he wants the disciples to know, if we abide together, my destiny for you is incredible success. My purpose for you is huge amounts of fruit. But how do you tap into that? Something's got to be pruned. Do you know what has to be pruned? This mindset of scarcity. That says, I just don't have enough. We buy into the society and the world's philosophy, which says, everything you have is like a pie. I had pizza for lunch. It's like a pizza pie. And there are a certain amount of slices. And so you've got to control really carefully how you distribute it. There is only so much time in your day. You better be careful how you pass it out. There's only so much money. You better be really careful how you pass it out. There's only so much love. You've got to be careful how you pass it out. There is a limited amount of resource you have. And when you look at your life that way, it's just me. I have this limited amount of resource. I want to follow God, but I have a limited amount of resource. You will find yourself like the disciples going, I can't do it. I can't go to Darwin. I can't sign up for this college. I don't have what it takes. And you have this mindset of scarcity. And Jesus says, if you will let me prune from you this mindset of scarcity, you will discover how much fruit is actually already inside of you. How does that work? Here's how it works. I have a good friend and he loves to surf. So he's going surfing and he tells me the story maybe two months ago. He's going surfing and he surfs on this beach and he sees this like 13-year-old kid trying to surf and the kid can't surf at all. The mom is just sitting there watching the kid, but the kid can't surf. So my friend goes over, he's on staff at a church, and he starts to talk to this kid. He said, hey, you want me to show you how to surf? So he begins to give the kid some surfing lessons. Then he goes to the mom and he introduces himself, tells him he works in this church. He said, I'd be happy to meet your son here every Saturday. We'll surf together. For eight weeks, every Saturday, he'd carve out time in the morning. He'd go surfing with this kid, teaching him to surf, showing him the love of Jesus. Two weeks ago, the kid showed up to youth group. Last week, the kid gave his life to Christ. Now, here's what happened. I look at that story and go, I don't know if I could do that. Wow. That he would see that. He'd see the kid that he would go over and help the kid, that he would carve time out to be able to do that. I said, God, I want a story like that. God says, Joel, you can. 
Because all John did was step into an opportunity God had given him. And the moment he stepped into that opportunity, this partnership kicked in. Abide in me, and I'll abide in you. This partnership kicked in. Well, what I can do is I can go to him, and I can talk to him, and I can help him to serve. And all of a sudden, fruit started coming out of him. And he discovered that he had so much more time than he thought he did, that he had so much more of a capacity to relate to a 13-year-old than he did. But what he did was he stepped into his opportunity. This week, this week, Jesus wants to give you an opportunity. I'm convinced of it. It can be in a grocery store. It can be at your workplace. You can have a colleague at work come up and just share a problem, and there is an opportunity, and you go, I don't know if I can respond. But if you remember, the kingdom of God dwells in me. His design is that I would bear much great fruit. And I don't need this outside source. I just need to step into my opportunity, and I am pruning that mindset of scarcity away. I'm giving myself. And you will discover how much fruit is in you. I don't think any of us have scratched the surface for how fruitful our lives can be. And we have this dream or this idea, and Jesus is saying, no, that idea, that's what I want for you. But you don't do it alone. You do it by discovering he's in you. Here's how he puts it in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. What opportunity might Jesus be giving you this week for you to discover how much is already in you? How much wisdom is in you? How much ability to share your testimony is in you? How much faith is in you? How much love is It's already there because the kingdom of God lives in you. What opportunity might he give you? You just got to step into that opportunity. And when you step into that opportunity, abide. You know what it means? Don't rely on yourself alone to follow through on the opportunity he gives you. That story about feeding the bread and fishes has the coolest ending. It's the only place in the Bible where God makes a mistake. He makes too much food. There's like all this leftover food. Doesn't he know there are starving children in the world? (laughs) But do you know why he does that? Because Jesus makes the disciples walk around and pick up all this extra food. And you can imagine, they were in a place at first when he says, you feed them, and they said, we can't. They hadn't got a hold of this truth. That Jesus wants to partner with us. The kingdom of God is in us. And as they're picking up all of this food, 12 basketfuls, I wonder if they said to themselves, wow, we were in the middle of a miracle and we didn't even know it. This week, you may be in the middle of a miracle and you don't even know it. There is so much more fruit in you. There is so much more capacity For success, and if you're here going, Joel, I just feel mediocre. This is the battle of faith. Where he says, let me prune that away. Step into that opportunity. Did you know not only fruit, there is so much more love that is inside of you. Look at what he says in verse 9 and 10 of John 15. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. 
If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. He's going, listen, you can abide in my love. My love can be overwhelmingly present in your life. You can live fully in this divine love. And you're going, wait a minute, Joel. I'm here, but I feel very alone. And sometimes we feel unlovable or we feel unloved. Some of us carry a shame. Jesus knew that there would be moments for the disciples as they went forward where they would struggle. As, Does he still love me? They would struggle. They would even fail. There would be times when they would face great persecution. Could they still love somebody? And he says, listen, if we abide together, if you get this truth that I'm dwelling in you and we're abiding, there is a well of resource of love that's available for you. You do not have to live in this zone of feeling unloved or unlovable. Many of us are here and many of us have this story where we have been hurt by others. And you try to love them. And you get what's called compassion fatigue. Somebody loves me, it could be a family member, it could be a neighbor, it could be somebody in the church. And you try to love them back, but as you love them back, they don't reciprocate. And you finally go, I'm tapped out. I got nothing left to give them. You can only forgive so many times. Jesus says, if you know this principle, you can forgive seven times seventy. But we feel like we are completely tapped out and love has kind of run out. But Proverbs says this in chapter 17, verse 9. Love will flourish greatly when you forgive an offense. It says something like, if you have the capacity to let love out of you, you're going to discover so much more love in you. But how does that happen? Because Christ lives in you, because the kingdom of God is in you, there is so much more love in you than you think there is. There is such a greater capacity to love others who create pain in your life than you think there is. There is such a great capacity to be loved. How does that happen? How do I tap into the love that's there? I'll illustrate it to you by telling you a story. When my wife and I have been married for 37 years, that's a long time, all in a row, I'm quite proud of ourselves. One was a little shaky. The most of them were pretty happy. But when I was just getting to know her, we weren't even dating yet or anything, just getting to know her. And I, I, really, I really was attracted to her, but I also knew, I mean, she's intelligent. She was beautiful. She could have anybody she wanted, and, you know, there's not much going on here. So I didn't know, how do I, how do I get her? How do I? So I went to her best friend. And I said, listen, tell me what she likes. Just tell me what she likes. Because whatever it is, then I'll get it. And if I give her what she likes, then maybe she'll like me. Just, just tell me what she likes. And that's kind of how we are sometimes with Jesus. Just tell me what he likes. Tell me what he likes and I'll give it to him. And then maybe he'll like me. Does he like me to pray? Does he like me? Tell me he likes me to give money. What does he like? And I went to my, Marie's best friend. I said, tell me what she likes. And my fr- the, her friend just started laughing. She said, Joel, you don't get it. I said, yeah, that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> she said, no, 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 you don't get it. It's you. I said, what do you mean? She said, it's you. You bring her joy. You bring her happiness. You don't have to give her anything. It's you. Can I tell you something? It's you. 
You bring him joy. You bring him happiness. You don't have to get him anything to get him to like you. It's you. How do you tap into that well of love? Is You've got to discover that you are the one who makes Christ happy. And you will discover this unlimited well of love if you will trust what he says about you. When I talked to Marie's friend, honestly, it was a little hard to believe. I thought, eh, I'm not sure. It's like, eh, you know. And then like a month later, Marie sat down with me. And she said, I want to tell you how I feel. And when I heard it from her lips, then it was like, yes. <laughs> I want to show you a scripture. You have a choice to believe it or not believe it. It's up to you. There's a book in the Old Testament we almost never read because it's kind of a weird, funky little book. It's called The Song of Songs. It's a poetic theater play in the Old Testament of God's love for Israel. In the New Testament, it's Jesus' love for us. And it gives us a picture of this. And in this book in the Old Testament, there is a declaration that Jesus makes about you. You have a choice. You believe it? Or you don't believe it. But it is his word to you. Here's what it says in Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 9. It says this, You have stolen my heart, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes. How delightful is your love, my bride. With one look from you, Jesus is ruined. Do you believe that? Is it hard to believe that? Because we're inundated with messages that may be contrary to that. He says, you have stolen my heart. You've just taken it away. When he was hanging on the cross, do you know who he was thinking about? You. And the opportunity to be with you with one glance of your eyes. How delightful is your love. Now, to discover that well that's there in his words, you know what has to be pruned? Shame. Jesus didn't just die for your sin, he died for your shame. When you look in the mirror, what's the thought that goes through your mind? I've stolen his heart. The enemy works overtime to diminish that truth. We have this loving Lord and Savior who wants to express, you have no idea how much I love you, how much I want to be with you. Let's abide together. Let's have this encounter where you will come to me and I will come to you and I will dwell within you and shame becomes this barrier. But, he says, if you'll let me prune shame off of you, You'll let me take that away. You will discover a well of resource that's already inside of you. And when somebody comes and treats you in a way that creates pain, you go, wow, where do I have the ability to forgive them? You begin to discover it's not actually even hard. Because you're not doing it out of your own effort anymore. You're doing it out of this divine kingdom that dwells inside of you, where you trust what the Father has said about you. One of the ways this gets downloaded to us is we have to be a church that speaks this to each other. 
We have to be a people that reminds each other, oh, you forgot what Jesus said about you. When I hear you say something that doesn't actually reflect what he says about you and how much he loves you, i got to be a person that will correct you so you will be reminded, that's right, he does love me. I am his. With one glance of your eyes. He's gathering the disciples, he's gathering, he's going, listen, I'm not going to be around. you got to know, kingdom of God lives in you. Let's abide. When you encounter me, I'll show you myself, but you're going to discover more about you because I'm in you. There is so much more fruit in you. There is so much more love in you. And then he finishes his teaching with one more. He wants them to know there's so much more joy in you. Because he knows they're going to face hardships and difficulties. Here's what he says in verse 11 as he's finishing his teaching. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. He says, my joy, your joy. There's a link that comes together. That's what abiding is all about. That's what having the kingdom of God in you is about. And he says, I want your joy to be full. And if you're here and you are not experiencing the fullness of joy, there is no condemnation. But there is no reason why you can't walk in that. Because Christ dwells in you. you go, how does that work? If that joy's in me, how do I tap into it? There's a scripture verse that really helps us understand that. It says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's like there's this connection between joy and strength. When I find people who are really not full of joy, not happy, usually they're people who are really weak. They're really exhausted. And they feel weak. And he goes, no, if you find this joy that's inside of you, you will discover this strength. But what does this mean? You know what it means? It means that no matter what the circumstance, you can worship God. Genuinely. Paul and Silas, in a prison, might die, doesn't matter. They are worshiping God. Why? They have tapped into a joy that is inside of them that is not defined by circumstance. And it's real. And they know how to tap into it in that way. It means you can give sacrificially. And you do it with joy. There's a story about a widow who gives two mites and it's there to illustrate. There are times when God will ask you to give out of what you need to live off of. And when he does, you go, I'm in. And I can do that with joy. And I can do that with strength. And I will not waver because I've tapped into that joy in me because the kingdom of God lives in me. There are times when you will stand firm. Story of Daniel, which always fascinates me. And the king says, nobody prays to God. And Daniel goes home into his apartment. And what does he do? He prays to God. But he leaves the shutters open. And you're going, Daniel, just close the window. Don't be an idiot. And he goes, no, no, this is who I am. This is who I am. This is how I will be known. This is my identity. And there is a strength and a joy in that. Even though he may face some difficulties, that joy, it's in you. It's already there. I'll abide in you. You abide in me. But you've got to be able to access it. How do you tap into the joy that's there? Our greatest example of this is Jesus. Because it says that as he was going to the cross, he never wavered. There was a strength that he had. And it says in Hebrews, for the joy that was set before him, he was able to go to the cross. And it's an insight for us as to how we tap into this joy. When you become too consumed with this world, 
and you define your life by this world, you will find it really hard to tap into that joy. But for Jesus, he said, for the joy set before him. Why? Because he knew what he was doing was not about this world. It was about our redemption. It was about eternity with him. It was about a new heaven and a new earth. It was about a whole different existence. And that defined his joy. And for that joy, he says, I could be strong. And as we walk through this life, there are hardships, but we can be strong when we are not defined by our time here. There is great joy that you will access in you when you live for another world. But if you live for this world, that joy of the kingdom of God, it's really hard to tap into. Because all of a sudden, now the circumstances define you. I'll illustrate it this way. It's kind of a silly illustration. I was a missionary kid. I was eight years old the time we were going to first go to America. I had never been to America. And I heard about this country that was supposed to be magnificent. This is a long time ago. I'm really old, guys. Like, stick me on an iceberg and send me off to sea. Really old. And I had heard about America. And my parents said, we're going to go to America. And I was so excited that we were going to America. And I pulled out a suitcase three months before we're leaving. And I start to think, what should I pack? Because I am going to America. And the one thing I had heard about America that I was so eager for as an eight-year-old was this thing called a hamburger. I had never had a hamburger. But I had heard about a hamburger. There was a place I could go where I would have a hamburger. And I pulled out this suitcase and I opened it up three months before we're getting on a plane. And every day I would like pack something. I'm like an eight, nine-year-old kid. Now, during that three months, bad stuff happened. I know I got sent to the principal's office because I wasn't the most stellar student. My parents got me, uh, you know, I got in trouble with my parents. My brother, who was older, probably beat me up. It didn't matter. They couldn't steal my joy. Because I was going to a land... And there were hamburgers there. (laughs) And every time I'd go into my room and I would see the suitcase, and no matter what the circumstances were, I'd go, there is another time coming. Now that's a silly little illustration. But you know why the New Testament church said every day we eagerly await the return of our Savior? We're going to another land. And there are hamburgers there. (laughs) And there's no... Weeping, and no sickness, and no racism, and no hate, and no injustice, and no poverty. Do you ever feel like you don't fit in here? Do you know why? You don't fit in here. You were designed for another world. And when you live with that design in mind, there is a joy that you begin to resource and mine out of you. Because that's what defines your joy, not the circumstances here. Psalm 1611 puts it this way. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. But just like you need some pruning to access the fruit that's already in you, and you need pruning to access the love that's already in you, you got to have some pruning. To access that joy. Because that joy is based upon, there's another time coming. I'm a child of the king. I'm defined by who he says I am. And what he has to prune away from us is when we get too consumed with this world. 
When we are no longer defined by Jesus in our eternity with him, sometimes I get concerned because society would love the church to be defined by its issues. Where does the church stand on this? We are defined by Jesus. And although we may have convictions, we do not let society define us by issues. We are defined by Jesus. And he prunes us by saying, don't be defined by the stuff. Don't be defined by what other people say about you. Be defined by me and an eternity with me. He gathers his disciples together. And he knows that their life will have some difficult times. He says, here's what really matters. Let's have an encounter. And I know at Hope Center, we've been on this journey of really encountering God. And many of us discover new things about him. But you know what he wants you to discover tonight? Something new about yourself. The kingdom of God dwells in you. There is so much more fruit in you. For those of you who feel like you just, there's not much you can accomplish, there's so much more love in you. For those of you who feel like, I'm just tapped out. I cannot love these family members anymore. There's so much more love in you. There's actually so much more joy in you. For those of you who are carrying a weight and a burden. And it's there not because you're so spiritual, not because you're so religious, not because you perform these habits. It's there because He lives in you. But we have to tap into it. We have to access it. We have to be willing to say, okay, Jesus, prune away. Some of you tonight, if you have the faith for it, in a moment, you can just prune shame. And that verse out of songs, you'll go, I actually believe it. And when you look into a mirror, no more will you see shame. You'll go, I'm a daughter of the king. I'm a son of the king. Some of you, he will prune away that scarcity mindset. And this week, when you have this small little opportunity that you may have avoided in the past, you're going to go, no, I'm in a partnership with Jesus. I got the kingdom of God in me. I'm going to step into it. And you'll take that opportunity and you will discover there is so much more fruit in you. Some of you, he just wants to show you how much more joy and strength is actually in you. And you're here and you're exhausted and you feel like you're a wavering he says, if you'll just let me redirect you to a suitcase, to another time, and it's coming, and it's coming soon. And a joy begins to well up inside of you, and you don't conjure it up. It's because the kingdom of God lives in you. So here's what I'd like us to do in response. I'm going to ask everybody, just stand to your feet. We're going to take a moment. Jesus is alive and the Spirit of God is here. Just wherever you're at, like the disciples, whatever slot describes you tonight, it is absolutely no coincidence that you came. He is here. Not to show you something new about himself, but to show you something new about yourself. 
and I ask you if you would just close your eyes and if you would just hold your hands up to him. You're almost having this act of, okay, Lord, prune away. In this moment, just prune away. Jesus, I pray for anyone who is here and they carry a shame that you have never asked them to carry. When they look into a mirror, they do not see the beauty that you see, Lord Jesus. And I pray in this moment, by the power of the Spirit of God, you would show them how with one glance they just ruin you. If you are here and you have carried a shame, you just lift your hands, you say, Jesus, I give it to you. And you listen to his words that he says, I love you. You are beautiful. You are forgiven. You are clean. You are pure. And shame falls away from you. Trust him at his word. Lord, I pray for anyone who is here and they carry that mindset of scarcity. They look and they just think, "Ah, I, I don't have what it takes. And if that's you and you are here tonight, I want you to know that in this moment, just like he did with the disciples, Jesus is looking at you. And he's giving you a directive. You feed them. But he is not delegating. He wants to partner with you. For those of you who are parents and you feel like you just don't have what it takes to raise the children that God has given you, you just lift them up and you hear him say, no, no, you parent them. I am with you. You will bear great fruit with these children. those of you who go into the marketplace and you feel like your witness is just a little mediocre, you got to hear him tonight. He says, no, no, my kingdom lives in you. I am right there with you in that office place. I am right there with you. You feed them and you go, okay, Lord, believe that you are in the middle of a miracle and there's so much more fruit in you and you just make this commitment to the Lord says, I'm going to step into that opportunity this week. Lord, I pray you would give a courage and a boldness and a faith to us, Lord Jesus, because the kingdom of God lives in us. That you would protect us from that mindset of scarcity. And this week, you would cause us to walk into an opportunity and discover how much fruit is actually in us and it would overwhelm us, Lord God. There are some of you here tonight And I so commend you for showing up for church, but it took every ounce of energy because you just feel weak and you are wavering. And happiness and joy just isn't there like I've described it. Jesus, I pray now by your Spirit. that for each and every one of us here it would draw us to a new reality of eternity Lord I pray that you would forgive us for getting too consumed with the things of this world I pray Lord God that you would forgive us for defining our life 
just by the stuff of this world. Spirit of God, would you show us the suitcase? Would it become such a reality like like New Testament church every morning we would wake up eagerly expecting and wanting the return of our Savior, Lord God? And would a joy rise up inside of that that we are not defined by this time and we are not defined by this circumstance. But Jesus, we are defined by you and in eternity with you. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that of all the ways you chose to relate to us, you chose to join us. That the power that raised you from the dead dwells in us, that your kingdom dwells in us, that you dwell in us. Spirit of God, make this truth such a reality that we would leave here knowing there is so much more fruit, so much more love, so much more joy in us. And this week, may we see it just rise up in us. Would you take a moment and would you just thank the Lord? Just out of your own words in your own way. Whatever has been that area, would you just thank the Lord that this week you're going to discover something about yourself. You're going to discover his kingdom in you and it's going to begin to bubble up and it's going to change how you see yourself. Take a moment and thank the Lord.